The Strategic Leader Podcast, episode number 240. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. I am so grateful that you've joined us for this episode of the Strategic Leader Podcast. My name is Brian Holmes, and let me just say, if this is your first time, welcome. If you are a regular listener to the program, we are super excited to have you in this wonderful community of leaders. Hey, we're in the process of transitioning our program to a new and upgraded format and feel, and while we're transitioning... I've decided to highlight some of our most impactful episodes so far. If you're ready to take your life and leadership to the next level, then I am sure this episode is going to make a huge difference in your life. Let's get focused, let's get engaged, and let's go all in right now. Hi, my name is Brian Holmes, and I... I'm a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> Shock, awe, gasps coming from the crowd. That's right. My confession is that I am a recovering people pleaser. Don't get your feathers all in a ruffle. I'm willing to bet a pretty good sum of money that you are too. In fact, so many people struggle with this issue. And I would suspect that most people do struggle with it on some level. So the question is, what is this plague? What is this disease? (laughs) Why are we consumed, many of us, with the idea that everyone's opinion about us is more important than our own peace of mind, than our own sense of value? What is it in each of us that drives us to say yes, even when we should say no? How do we resolve the internal insecurities? How do we resolve the the desperate need of approval? How do we break free from this self-imposed demand of pleasing people and performing for the approval and the adoration of other individuals. Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about it. We're going to deal with these questions and so many others. So let's do that right now. Let's dive into this subject, the plague of people-pleasing and how you can break free from it. going to start today with a powerful quote by John Lydgate. He says, you can please some of the people all of the time. You can please all of the people some of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time. (laughs) Did you catch that? Let me say it again. You can please some of the people all of the time. You can please all of the people some of the time. But you cannot please all of the people all of the time. How stinking true is that? I would say it like this. People pleasing is a plague in our culture. It is responsible for a multitude of problems that we face. 
And those problems are related to the realization of our personal potential. In other words, if, if I am consumed with pleasing others or meeting the expectations of other people, then I'm going to create for myself all kinds of complexities and challenges that will ultimately keep me from realizing my personal leadership potential. I, I don't know about you, but I've struggled with this. I'm going to share a little later on in the program some of my personal experience in this area. But let's just say, I think it's fair to say, that many people live their lives striving to be accepted, to be understood, to be affirmed, to be approved of, to receive recognition for who they are and what they've accomplished. They literally go out of their way to be, quote-unquote, okay with everybody. They, they want to impress someone. They want to please someone. They want to, mm, shall we say, gain the affirmation and the acceptance of certain individuals that they believe, if that person will accept me and approve of me, then I've arrived. I have value. And ladies and gentlemen, this striving most often happens at the expense of our own well-being. It very much impacts how we are able to manage and steward our time. It, it has an effect on whether or not we achieve our own goals and dreams. Sometimes this striving to meet expectations, this striving for approval, this striving to please others, detrimentally impacts the relationships that really mean the most to us. So what is the root of this plague? I like that word. Most often, the people-pleasing tendency can be tracked back to a relationship or an event where one's value was somehow linked to their performance, at least in their own mind. For example, the child that when they're two, three, and four years old, they do that cute little thing, that little dance they do, that little move they do, that little, uh, that little song they can sing or the little performance they can give. And mom or dad or auntie or uncle, whenever there's a group of people over at the house, they say, come here, little Johnny, do that thing for us. And Johnny does that little thing for us. And, and everybody claps. And here is a child in their formative years, and they recognize in that moment that they have just received the adoration, the approval, the acclamation of the, the masses of people. And somehow, in their little developing mind, they link their performance with value and acceptance. In the same way, the child that's on that soccer team or plays in that basketball or baseball league or the child that's in ballet or the child that's doing so-and-so. And, and I just a little soapbox for me here. I'm, I'm troubled by the seeming dysfunction that is related to child sports. I believe in competitive sports. In fact, I grew up playing competitive, competitive sports in my schools. And I, but I, I see a, a tendency now for people to, to almost vicariously live out their own value through their child's performance. That's a bigger problem. And so when little Johnny scores that goal or 
scores 10, 15 points in that basketball game or plays a really good – has a great defensive performance – and when they come off the court, the coach slaps them on the rear end or on the back, uh, or the parents are screaming their name, you, you're awesome, you're doing great. And again, in the developing mind, the child links performance to acceptance, to approval, and to value. What about this scenario? What about when in a family, maybe a blended family, or maybe a, a straight-up biological family, maybe one child perceives that the other sibling is favored over them and it creates this inherent need to perform or to prove or to somehow gain the acceptance of or the attention of the parent who in their mind likes Susie better or Dave better or Johnny better what about a child who's gone through the tragic circumstance of a broken home or divorced family where they perceive in their little mind that they've been rejected by their biological father or their biological mother, and they, they're not wanted. They're not needed. There's no value there. And they, they, they get the idea that, my gosh, man, my own flesh and blood has put me aside and, and apparently has ascribed no value to me, even though I'm their child. And so from that root, now the entire life of the child and then the adolescent, then the, the young man, the young woman, then the adult is lived out trying to prove their worth and their value because they experience rejection somewhere back along the way. Let's bring that into our adult life. What about, what about management roles or corporate CEOs or leadership roles? You know, think about it. Even in that setting, Approval ratings are tied to sales and tied to our ability to make powerful and compelling presentations or our charisma, our personality. And, and in that ecosystem that is the corporate world or the business sector, uh, the leadership space, even in that space, we tend, because of our childhood programming, to associate performance with value, acceptance, and approval. Look at the political world that we're all up into right now. Got to get the votes. So politicians say that they're, they pander to the desires and the expectations of those who will cast their vote. And they say whatever they need to say. They spin whatever they need to spin. They promise whatever they need to promise in order to hopefully gain the approval, albeit fabricated, of that voter. So they can ultimately gain office and carry out their own agenda. I'm going to step on some toes here, but I, I believe I have some credibility in this area because I, I have functioned in the ministry world, the church world, and I talk to pastors and church leaders all the time that are trapped because in their heart and mind, they believe that God has given them a vision or a direction or a a methodology or something that they're to do in their respective leadership assignment. And because of pressure, maybe it's self-imposed, maybe it is external, because of the pressure they feel to meet the expectations of the parishioners and those members of the church, they tend to perform to the level of the expectation rather than pursuing the purity and the sanctity of the vision that God's given them. The truth is we perform for recognition. We all perform for applause. 
whether literal or metaphoric. We perform for the reward or the payoff, be it financial, emotional, spiritual, whatever. We we do what we do because in our minds we've been conditioned to realize there is a payoff at the end of this. I perform so that. We want everybody to like us. You know, this whole concept of being politically correct is driving me to the brink because we we can no longer speak the truth even in love because it might offend someone or it might disturb it might rub someone the wrong way who might disagree with me let me explain something to you if you have two people in a room you have the great potential for disagreement if you have 10 people you have a an, just an incredible huge potential for disagreement when you're talking about a city, a nation, a culture, a church, a business, a corporation. Listen, can we just face the the music here? We will never be able to please everybody. It doesn't work that way. Yet we are wearing ourselves out in this culture, trying to make sure that no one gets their two little feelings hurt and no one gets offended. And so we, we cave to the propensity of, pleasing everyone, covering everyone, making sure everybody's happy. And that is a fabricated, disastrous, unsustainable way of doing life, especially in leadership. We want everybody to value our work. We want people to follow us as leaders. If you're a leader, and you are, you know this program is the Strategic Leader Podcast. If you're a leader, we we all want more people to subscribe to our tribe, more people to join us on our platform, more people to join our church or to do business with us as a company. We're always looking for more people to follow us as leaders. And the question is, are we maintaining purity and integrity in our pursuit of followers? Or are we pandering to the expectations and the desires that other people have at the expense of doing what is right and doing what is needed? This is a problem. And I know all of us deal with this in our respective roles. So what do we do, Brian? How does this show up in our life? What kind of evidence do you have that I have a people-pleasing problem? Well, how about this? We say yes when we should say no. That's a big one. Here's one for somebody out there. We loan money to family members when we know full well they're just using us. They have no intention of repaying us. And they quite honestly don't even respect us for who we are. They're simply using us because they know they can. We agree to meet people when it's not a good use of our time. We accept jobs or contracts or business gigs that do not bring us in any way satisfaction or fulfillment or even financial. We try to be everything to everybody. We make promises that we cannot keep. All right, pastors, we create programs because we think that's what people want. We give out our number and our email address to anybody and everybody. Oh, boy. Do so many of these kinds of things, and by doing so, we create an unsustainable life for ourselves. This is why leaders experience burnout. This is why people experience great levels of depression and stress. This is why heart disease is one of the number one, if not the number one killer 
in the United States of America is because we create scenarios for ourselves because we are addicted to pleasing people. I started the program today by saying to you, hi, my name is Brian Holmes and I'm a recovering people pleaser. And boy, that is so true. I am recovering, which means I have not mastered yet the art of not being one. I'm simply working at it diligently and I'm quite committed to it. I am well on my way, I think, to breaking free from the driving need that I've always struggled with to have everybody like me or approve of me. Let me explain what I mean by that. I grew up in a performance-driven culture. Specifically, my religious background had a built-in ethos and system designed to foster and promote the idea that my approval, my personal approval, was contingent upon my performance. Now, I'm talking about religiously here. If I did really good and did everything right and perfect and didn't make any mistakes, I might receive, I might receive God's approval. That's, that's how I was raised. So from the time I was a young child, in addition to all the other things we do to our kids, <laughs> this was the dominant programming in my mind that I had to do everything perfectly, outperform everybody, do a lot of things right. And in doing that, I might receive God's approval. The other side of the coin was if I made mistakes of any kind, no matter what degree, this would result in complete rejection by God and I would be discarded and put away from his loving kindness and his acceptance and his approval. He would disapprove of me and reject me and not accept me. This was a weekly programming event in my life. In other words, as a young child growing up, I learned that my value was only as good as my performance. Now, you add on top of the religious piece that in my home environment, I had a great set of parents. My mom and my dad, precious people, they did the best they could with what they were given to work with. My dad had never received any affirmation, any love, any affection whatsoever from his father. Therefore, he did not know how to bestow on his children Love, acceptance, approval, attaboys. He just didn't know how. And I don't fault him for that. It just was what we dealt with. So in my my mind, unconsciously, I was always seeking my father's approval, always wanting to impress him, always wanting to do something that got his attention and and somehow made him smile or made him in his heart feel like, as a good kid right there, I'm proud of him. I never heard those words. I never I never got that affirmation, really. And then from that place of dysfunction, growing up as a kid in school, elementary, junior high, high school, I always felt like I was just a little bit on the outside. In other words, there was always the, the group that was popular and that did all the things together and hung out together and got the phone calls when it was time to go hang out and do things. And I was... I, was, I never quite made the cut. I was just on the fringe. Felt as though I was always a misfit. I didn't dress like everybody dressed. I didn't, I didn't part my hair the same way other people parted their hair. I would like to have some hair just to part these days, actually, to be honest with you. That's a side note. But I, I just never quite fit in. And the, all of these things were feeding this need in me 
to perform and to gain approval and to pursue acceptance by people. Never quite measured up to my peers. Always felt like the outsider. All of these factors led me to adopt a performance-based mindset and had me constantly on the hunt for impressing someone, gaining someone's approval, doing a good job to get an attaboy, something that would affirm me. Unwittingly now, my behaviors, my decisions, the habits that I formed, my belief systems, all of those began to conform to this pattern of performance-based living, people-pleasing. Never mind what God had said about me. And you know how I feel about that. I I make no bones about my, my strong belief in the principles contained in God's Word, the Bible. And, and one of the things that I teach and I am a proponent of is that before I was ever conceived in my mom's womb, God had already determined the quality, the value, the, the worth, the co- contribution I would make in this life, the assignment I would have, the people I would touch. He had already determined what my potential was. Never mind what God has said about me. Never mind how competent I became. Never mind how talented or gifted I might be in certain areas. Never mind my potential or my real value. What mattered most was how do people see me and do they approve or do they not? That was the driving force, whether consciously or unconsciously, because we tend to be driven toward this need to please and this need for approval. And that was my driving component. I spent more than 35 years of my life craving approval, acceptance, and recognition by people. And then I experienced a bit of a shift. I've shared with you on the program in 2012, uh, I had an incredible moment in my life. And that particular time period, I experienced a monumental pivot. And I think that was the turning point. In fact, I know it was the turning point because I began coming out of this prison of performance and I began to break free from this need to please everyone. For me, it began when I discovered the reality of my acceptance in what the Bible refers to as the beloved. Now, here's the piece, guys. Born and raised in a Christian, biblical worldview environment. In my particular case, I served in some form of ministry or clergy for 25 years prior to this moment. And for some reason, I had never grasp the the fact, the truth, that I was accepted, period. No qualifications, no determining factors. I was just accepted. And not knowing that I was accepted, I behaved as though I was not. In 2012, however, I came to a new understanding that my Father in heaven approved of me unconditionally with all my good qualities and with all of my not so good ones. He accepted me, but not only did he accept me, he conferred on me all the benefits and the rights of being his son. How cool is that? I began to understand that nothing that I could do by way of performance could in any way move the needle or the scale as far as my status or standing with him or in life. It just, it wasn't about that. 
My status with him as a son and being accepted and being, being approved of, it was mine. It was a gift, an irrevocable place at the table. This new awareness shifted everything for me, literally. Because once I understood that I could operate from that position of acceptance, I realized that I no longer needed the approval of people in order to operate in value. I'm value just because God said so. I'm, I have great value because he created me with value. And whatever value I have, whether it's recognized or embraced by other people or not, matters not. Because the value I have carries the value given to me by the manufacturer of the product. Understand this. I was created, you were created, designed, put together by a creator, a manufacturer. And no person has the right to tell the manufacturer the value of their product when the manufacturer has already prescribed or set the value of the product. Listen, the market does not dictate my personal value or acceptance. Do you get this? Unlike physical products that we go to Walmart or Target or wherever to buy, my inherent value is not determined by supply and demand. I'm one of a kind. You are one of a kind. If someone does not understand me, it's okay. That's another big realization I had not too long ago, several months ago, but it dawned on me one day that I should stop even desiring for people to understand where I'm at and where I'm going. You know why? Because they're probably not on the same path as me, and they've probably not walked out the same sequence of events and steps in their life the last number of years as I have, for whatever reason. Not a criticism, just a reality. And if they've not experienced what I've experienced, and if they've not walked the path I've walked, they cannot possibly understand where I am or where I'm going. And I've resolved in my heart, it's okay. And it being okay, it, it takes away the need for me to need them to understand. That makes sense. Usually when someone does not understand something, they label or they categorize it. So I would encourage you in this. Don't be surprised when this happens to you. Don't be surprised when someone labels you or talks about you or criticizes you, but do not allow someone's label or their misunderstanding of you affect how you perceive your own value. Do not, ladies and gentlemen, allow criticism or judgments of you to sway your resolve to be the person God has created you to be or to dissolve in any way your confidence in your ability to lead and to influence in the space that God's given you as an assignment. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks, believes, or says about you. It really is inconsequential whether or not you meet a person's expectations, be they a family member, a mentor, someone you've looked up to, whoever. It doesn't matter whether or not you meet their expectations at all. What matters is, are you meeting your potential? Are you pursuing 
what God has put in front of you. Your leadership potential is not determined by the pseudo-value systems of men. Your leadership potential is only determined by your own assessment of your value. Do you believe that you possess the value that God says you have? It's very simple. Are people going to talk about you? Yes. Deal with it. Are people going to misunderstand the decisions you make, the choices you make, the directions you take in your life, maybe with your family, maybe with your ministry, maybe with that church, maybe with that company, maybe with that business decision? Not everyone's. I have a very dear friend of mine right now who recently, because he was grappling with some of these types of issues, he literally dissolved a partnership. He he handed over his interest in a company to his business partner because he recognized, I've been doing this to please other people, and it's not me. Therefore, I'm going to walk away. And everybody around him is going, what in the heck are you doing? Because not everybody can understand your decisions, your choices, the directions you take, because they're not on the path you're on. But I cannot live my life to meet the expectations of other people. I must live my life, watch, to meet the potential that God has placed in me and to touch the people that God has called me to touch. So how do I know if I struggle in these areas? How, how can I? Well, first of all, I would su- suggest to you that you probably already know the answer to this question. I think all of us, if we're honest, could say we do struggle at times with people-pleasing, with striving to meet expectations. But let me give you a few questions here to think about. Number one, do you have a hard time saying no? If your default answer is yes, then you need to really look at what's happening in your heart because you should be saying no to 90% of the things that you're presented with because you can't say yes to everything. To say yes to, to one thing is to say no to a number of other things. And so if your instant reaction to a request is yes, it's probably an indication that you're a people pleaser. Number two, do you find yourself striving to meet what you perceive to be other people's expectations? Whether you're in a leadership role, pastor, CEO, manager, whatever, are you consumed mentally, emotionally, even spiritually, with this need to make sure everybody's taken care of and everybody's expectations are met and and they have what they need and, and blah, 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 blah. Are you the person who is always making sure that everybody gets what they need? Well, you might be a, a people pleaser. Number three, do you lose your sense of self-worth and self-esteem when people criticize or question you? In other words, if somebody says, man, I, I don't understand what you're doing. It, you're you're, you're crazy. That's a dumb decision. And and rather than recognizing it for misunderstanding, you take it personally and it causes your perception of your own value to diminish. If that's you, you might have a struggle in this area. Number four, do you often find yourself trying to help people understand why you're doing what you're doing? In other words, long conversations, trying to get them to see this is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm always updating you. I'm always letting you know what's happening because I need you to understand. That's striving. Number five, do you feel as though you never measure up? 
Hmm. Number six, are you consumed with seeking approval or recognition? Do you need, listen, on some level we all need a sense of, man, what I'm doing is of value and people appreciate it. I, I love giving out compliments and giving out attaboys and doing affirmations, even third-party affirmations, where I'm complimenting someone in front of somebody else just so somebody else hears it. I, I get that. We all need some of that. But are you consumed with needing approval and seeking it? Are you consumed with needing recognition and needing it in order to have some sense of value? Number seven kind of wraps it all up. Are you people? Are you a people pleaser? Will you just admit and acknowledge, I'm a people pleaser. I spend too much of my energy, too much of my time, too much of my emotion striving to meet people's expectations of me rather than harnessing those same energies and focusing, focusing them on becoming a greater expression of the person that I was created to be. I want to share with you seven truths that I want to encourage you to embrace as it relates to this challenge. If you struggle in this area, I want you to hear these seven truths. Write them down. Print them up. Whatever you have to do. And review them. Recite them out loud. Meditate on them. But these are seven truths that I believe, if you embrace them, it will fundamentally begin to change your dependence on others' approval. Number one, you are loved accepted and approved of by God, period. You are loved, you are accepted, and you are approved of by God, period. No qualifications, no performance needed, no checklists, no scorecard. You are loved, you are accepted, and you are approved of by God, period. If you're not a person of faith, you don't consider yourself a Christian or a believer, Please just accept this as an encouragement to you. You are loved, you are accepted, and you are approved of, period. Number two, this is the truth. You have tremendous value. Please know that. It's not that you have a couple of things that are of value. You carry tremendous value. Your gifts, your talents, your skills, your abilities, the grace on your life, the, the wisdom you carry, the, the ideas, you have great value. And you know what? Just the love you bring to an environment, that's value. You have tremendous value. Number three, your value is not based on what you do, but rather on who you are. This was a, a great moment for me when I realized that my value is not calculated Based on my performance, my value is inherent within me and my performance, watch, my performance and my impact and my influence and the value that I bring to other people is based on what is true of me on the inside. Number four, the people in your life will always have their opinions and their expectations of you. Get used to it. But only you can determine what you expect from yourself. The people in your life will always have their expectations of you, but only you can determine what you expect from yourself. Number five, people-pleasing is a plague. 
It will only bring you misery, frustration, and something less than success. I promise you, you'll never maximize the potential that is in you if you live your life focused on pleasing others. Number six, you cannot expect people to understand where you are or where you're going. They simply cannot. Oh, man, embrace that truth. Number seven, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. That's a quote from Lecrae. If you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. I'm telling you, embrace these truths. They will change your life forever. I'm not going to leave you with just that. I want to give you a few tips. Brian, how do I get a hold of this? How do I, man, how do I begin to pivot away from this mindset that is driving me down this path of people-pleasing and performing? I want to give you a few tips. Number one, unplug for a minute. And I don't mean one minute. That's a, that's a colloquial, I can't even say the word. It's, a, it's an idea. Unplug. That means if you've got to go away for a weekend, if you've got to rent a cabin somewhere, if you've got to go on a vacation, unplug completely. Number two, decompress. That means take the pressure off yourself. Get away somewhere where you can absolutely let the pressure off where you don't feel like you've got to do anything for anybody for a minute. Get in an environment, create an environment where you can decompress. Unplug, decompress. Number three, evaluate. Now, I don't want you to evaluate the problem areas yet. That's coming. But right now, evaluate. What are my gifts? What are my talents? What are my abilities? What are the good qualities in me? What are the strengths that I have? What are the things that I have to offer people? What can I do to help mankind? Write those out. Make an inventory list of those things. Evaluate your value. That's what evaluate means. Evaluate. Number four, get clarity. Who am I? Why am I here? Here's the piece. If you don't have clarity on your identity, on your value, on your worth, on your assignment, on your field of work or whatever endeavors you feel like you're called to do, if you don't have clarity, it leaves space for this other clutter. And we default usually to performance because we don't have clarity on why we're here. So get clarity on who you are, why you're here. Number five, watch, identify. Identify the areas where you feel the need to please. I would also say identify specific relationships where you know there's a really deep issue. Number six, ask, why? Why do I struggle with this? What is the root of this need in me to please other people and to meet everybody's expectations and to perform? Why, why am I like this? Why, what is the root in my life that is causing this behavior and this habit pattern? Ask. Number seven, decide. I will resolve this issue and I will no longer be driven by fear, by intimidation, or by rejection. Decide. Just make a decision. I'm done. I'm done pleasing everybody. I'm done taking care of everybody else. I'm done bending over backwards to make sure that everybody likes me. I'm going to simply be the person I was created to be and let the chips fall where they may. Number eight, create boundaries. Boundaries are decisions made ahead of time. In other words, 
create some specific boundaries for your life, some systems where you can put boundaries in place that you've not adhered to in the past. Number nine, be accountable. Let somebody know these are the areas I've, I've been struggling in. These are the places I've identified. This is the reason. This is where the root is, I believe. I've made a decision. I'm, I'm changing this. I'm, I'm done with this. I've created these systems, these boundaries, and I'm asking you, hold me accountable. Don't you let me fall back into the pattern of pleasing everybody. And number 10, practice no, N-O. Come on, say it with me. I know you can, I know it's probably going to stumble off your lips because you don't say it very often, so you've forgotten how to say no. But say the word no. If I got any Medea people out there, you can put some expletives in front of it. It's okay. I give you permission to put an expletive in front of it. No. Practice saying no. Just go around the house all day going no, 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 no. Oh, let me think about it. No. Let me get back to you on that. No. Practice no. Unplug, decompress, evaluate, get clarity, identify, ask, decide, create boundaries, be accountable, and by all means, by all means, learn to say no. Remember this. We teach people how to treat us. And so whatever the the deal is in your life today, it is what it is because of you having taught someone it's okay to treat you that way. I'll share this with you. Most people love you as long as you fit in the box they've designed for you. Think about it. My encouragement to you is this. Don't be afraid to disappoint people. Do what is right. Let the chips fall where they may. Make a decision. I'm not going to be a people pleaser anymore. I'm not going to perform for my value. I have value. I am value. And I have much to offer this world. Well, thank you for joining us for this special edition episode of the Strategic Leader Podcast. I trust that you are deeply impacted as we discuss meaningful topics on how to grow your life and your leadership and, of course, your influence. You can find the show notes for this episode at brianholmes.com. And we're reminding you that for the next couple of weeks, maybe months, we're going to be bringing you some of our very best podcast content. We don't want you to miss any of those, so tune in each week and we'll continue to bring you wonderful, wonderful content. Hey, we're busy behind the scenes around here updating and upgrading our website, upgrading our podcast, and preparing to launch some really awesome projects. And we're, well, you know, we're looking to the next chapter in our own lives with our work, with our companies. And uh, we want to encourage you to engage with transition. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. You just have to walk it out. So if you're discontent, engage it. If you're in the process of disconnecting, engage it. If you're looking right now and searching for what's next in your life, engage it. Because the next chapter, the next realm, the next level is going to be awesome. 
Well, last thing I want to encourage you to do, subscribe to our weekly email updates and do share this episode with your friends on social media. Let everyone know what you're engaging with here at brianholmes.com. We would greatly appreciate that. Until next time, we love you. We bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.